Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome to the first service of a new year. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. 2021. At least it's not 2020 anymore. You know, uh, there's only one thing worse than getting vomited out on the beach by a big fish, and that's staying inside the fish. And so 2021 may look a whole lot like what we just went through, but at least it's not what we just went through. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. You know, everything's not going to change because the calendar flipped, but at the same time, i got to believe that God is about to do something, and our land is about to change somehow, some way. At least it's not where we've already been. So I'm looking forward to a new day. I, I know things aren't exactly the way we want them to be, and maybe they'll never be exactly the way they were. Maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe we took too much for granted where we were and what we were going through, and we didn't appreciate God and other people enough. And maybe this was our wake-up call, but at least we're not where we were. So thank God for that. I'm, I'm looking forward to a new season. God doesn't operate according to calendar pages or, or, or some kind of arbitrary number that we use to tell time. God operates according to seasons. He can show up in January. He can show up in July. Whenever his season is ready, I am ready for something brand new to come out of this. Amen. Amen. But welcome, welcome to 2021 in our first service. I have planned specifically to preach this message at the very first Sunday. I'm in a series of messages uh, about life beyond ordinary. And I, I plan specifically to have this message be the one that we entered the new year and, and, and changing our mindset about things that we go through. And little did I know... Uh, uh, you know, how people would be going through so much. We've got so many uh, church members that are uh, under the weather or they've been exposed or they've been contaminated or they're a leper or they've got something going on at, at, with this virus. But uh, this was a, my, my plan from the beginning was to preach this message in this series for this beginning of this new year. So before I let you sit down, I want you to do something for me. Stretch your hands forward to me. And pray for me that God may use me to minister to you. And I'm going to pray for you that God would touch your life and your spirit. God, in the name of your son Jesus today, whether they're in this building or watching by live stream, I'm praying that your uh, people are going to have their hearts and their minds open today to receive this word of encouragement. I believe that this is a word that is going to uplift our, our hearts and our minds and give us what we need, Lord, the, the boost that we need to enter into this new year with an anticipation that how great you are, God. We want to solidify uh, our praise and our worship and our honor to you today, God, because we know that you are the one that has a plan and a purpose and a design for our lives. So touch me as a vessel. Use me today, God. Hide me behind your word, your anointing, and your cross to get this message to your people and open their hearts and their minds today that they'll lead this place and say they were blessed by your spirit and your word. In Jesus' name. The uh, church clapped their hands and gave God praise. Amen and amen. 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 You may be seated in this presence. Hallelujah. I'm preaching a message out of a series, and the series is called Life Beyond Ordinary. And there's not much more uh, extraordinary than something like walking on water. I mean, that's pretty beyond ordinary, is it not? 
If you were going to have a lesson today on walking on the water, that's, that's pretty extraordinary, if I say so myself. So my message this morning is a 2021 guide to face stormy weather. A 2021 guide to face stormy weather. I'm going to have six truths for you today. I'm going to begin in Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to end up in Acts chapter 26, but I'm going, to, I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 14. We're talking about the miracles of Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to examine one of those very miracles here in Matthew's gospel. And it's a very well-known passage. It's one that I have preached numerous, countless times through the years because the story is just so well-known. There's so much to it. I won't have time to extrapolate all the truth out of it for you this morning, but I'm going to do my best to teach you how to endure stormy weather, how to prosper in stormy weather. Sometimes we have the wrong mindset in spiritual uh, circles, and I'm going to try to do better in 2021. I'm going to try to preach more messages, and more importantly, I'm going to try to have in my heart and my mind a more positive outlook because sometimes it feels like all I'm doing is teaching people to survive, and we're not supposed to be survivors. We're supposed to be more than conquerors. We're supposed to have a life beyond ordinary. He said, I've come that you might have a life and have it more abundantly. We're not just supposed to survive. Some stuff you will just survive. But you're not supposed to live every day just in survival mode. You're supposed to be prospered. He said, I, I, Beloved, I hope that you prosper even as your soul prospers. I, I want to see you lifted higher. I want to see you overcoming. I want to see you living in abundance. I want to see you smile more. And I think that that's a message of hope that we need to have uh, as the body of Christ. I mean, if God is God, then we should celebrate Him every day that we live and breathe. Amen. So I'm going to try to do better myself. Because sometimes it feels like all we ever do is talk about how to survive. And really, He doesn't want us to survive. He wants us to thrive. And this morning, I'm going to begin uh, this new year by talking about this very message. Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 22. The Bible says, immediately after this. Now this... Immediately after this, this was the feeding of the 5,000 that we just talked about a few weeks ago. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted. I'm using a translation this morning that uses that word because I, want to, I wanted you to see it with your eyes. The King James Version uses the word constrained. But what it really means is insisted. It was an urgent insistence. In other words, the disciples did not want to get on the boat. But Jesus insisted, hold on to that, put a pin in it, because it's going to be important to my message later. He insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. A strong wind had risen. Somebody say, that's a storm. Mm -hmm. Well, what do we do in stormy weather? I want you to learn this morning how to endure and how to thrive in stormy weather. A strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, 
Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Why does the Lord command us so often to not be afraid? Have you ever, have you ever felt guilty because you was afraid of something? Have you ever felt guilty because of how you reacted to something? And you reacted out of fear? And you feel guilty because you feel like, I should be better than this? God has taught me better than this. But can, can I just take some guilt off of you entering this new year? God understands how you are made. And if he did not know you was going to be afraid, he would not have written in his word 365 times, be not afraid. He has given you a word of reassurance that uh, being, being afraid is a natural thing. He, he's, he's not shaming you because you're afraid. As a matter of fact, he loves it when you are afraid because the Bible says that when you get afraid, he draws near to you. <laughs> he, he shows up in your fears. He reveals himself. The, the more uh, terrified you become and your inadequacies, that's when he shows up strong. When you are weak, he shows off. So, so, so fear is a part of life that we're always going to have to deal with. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here. He said, take courage, I am here. Verse 28, Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, because they thought he was a ghost, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water. That's a life beyond ordinary. I have not met a whole lot of Christians in my 25 plus years of being in church that would be willing to say, help me walk on the water. I mean, we got a lot of folk that want to show up and see miracles take place, but there's not a lot of people willing to risk, let me step out of this boat. That's a pretty big risk that Peter's about to take. So, so he said, let me come walk to you on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. That's a life beyond ordinary. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, stop right there. They were out on the lake. How are they climbing back in the boat? Peter was drowning. Jesus had to save him from drowning. And Jesus said, you had so little faith, and all of a sudden they're climbing back in the boat. There is something happened right there significant, and we just skipped right over it. Because the Bible just skipped right over it. They were out in the lake. Peter's about to drown. Jesus rebukes him because he doesn't have enough faith, and now they're climbing back into the boat. How'd they get there? I want to know. How did, they, how did they end up climbing back into the boat? I'll get to that at the end of this message because you ain't never drowned so bad Jesus can't help you back in the boat. I'll just drop that truth right there. And when they climbed back into the boat, pay attention to this, the wind stopped. It didn't stop until they got back in the boat. That's going to be significant as well. I'm going to break all this down for you. Verse 33, then the disciples worshipped him. <laughs> you are truly, really the Son of God. They explain, ain't it funny how we always worship God and we decide to believe Him after He done done something miraculous? I, I, after, he done, after He done made the wind and the waves lay down and saved Peter from drowning, oh, now we realize who He is. Oh, you've been telling the truth this whole time. Isn't it funny how all of a sudden when he has done something miraculous, that's when we decide we're finally going to believe him. Understand where the disciples are coming from. It had been a wonderful day. 
Uh, he had revealed his power in their life. He, he, he had fed the 5,000 from a little boy's basket lunch. It had been a great day. Everything was going their way. It was a hunky-dory kind of experience. The ministry team of the Lord Jesus Christ was having a wonderful time, and all was right with the world. And all of a sudden, Jesus makes them. He insists that they get on the boat and everything changes dramatically because they find themselves surrounded by darkness they are on a board of a ship that is about to sink the Bible says the waves were crashing the wind was blowing and the disciples were terrified why do I bring this to your attention and by the way I'm just gonna slow down and teach this thing this morning is that alright if I don't run around this place and 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 and, and shout and, and fall out in the spirit because I really need you to get these truths there is so much truth in this passage. I don't want you to miss a thing. They were in a place they did not desire to be. They didn't want to be on the boat. They were going somewhere they didn't ask to go. And the only reason they were there was because Jesus asked them to. I don't know about you, but I would be asking the Lord, why is this going on? when all I was doing was following your commands. Because sometimes it is so difficult. I'm just going to testify. You won't be honest because all y'all are more holy than me. Pray for the bishop. It is so difficult sometimes for me to put up with the storms in my life because I, what got me there was not me sinning, was not me doing something away from God. What got me there was following what he asked me to do. Sometimes that is the hardest part of following the Lord. It's not that I got sideways with the Lord. It's that I'm in the middle of a storm, and what got me there was I went where God told me to go and did what God told me to do. Sometimes we, we stick it out in the marriage because that's what God wants us to do, and we think God's going to make the marriage okay because we stuck it out. But sometimes we find out that we did what God wanted us to do, and we stayed as long as He wanted us to stay. But that didn't make the storm quit. Can somebody say amen if you understand what I'm talking about? And here's the thing about God. We used to sing a song in the old church uh, that, that he's, I know the master of the wind. That means that Jesus knew when he put him on the boat that there was a storm coming. This thing did not take him by surprise, and yet he put him on the boat anyway. He knew there was trouble coming. He knew waves were going to crash. He knew wind was going to blow. He knew the boat was going to uh, almost capsize, and he put them on the boat anyway. Does that sound like the God that makes us want to run around this church and jump off the walls? That does not sound like the kind of preaching that makes people want to shout because Jesus knew trouble was coming, and instead of diverting them away from it, he sailed them into it. And I know I ain't the only person in this room that can relate to this message that even though God knew that trouble was around the bend he didn't make my path around it he made me go through it that's why I'm bringing you a guide this morning to what to do in stormy weather because if we live enough days and Jesus don't come back to collect his own real soon you are going into a storm I don't know how and I don't know when I don't know how long it's going to be I don't know what it's going to consist of but I promise you this dear friend I want you to know what to do when the storm comes because as sure as God made little green apples a storm is on its way so, so they're in the middle of a storm that they didn't want to go into in the first place and they have to be asking the question, God, why are we here? Don't you know that in January of 2021, I've been asking God, 
in this big old building, God, why are we here? I prayed for two years for God to give us a building in this city. The year we buy it, we buy it, we closed on Valentine's Day, February 14th. March 15th, the world stopped. I've been in this building working myself to death, and now every Sunday we have church to a minimal capacity crowd because people are still not comfortable coming back out. And I ask God every Saturday when I'm praying over these messages, God, why am I here? You could have left me at 47 Dennis Ridge Road. If this is what we were going to open up to. And I'm not trying to get you to have a pity party for me. I'm just trying to tell you the reality of what storms look like. That I did what God wanted me to do. I went somewhere that I didn't have the power to create myself. God opened all these doors and I just kept walking through them. And then after I got through the middle of it, I look around and the waves are, are crashing. And the wind is blowing and the sky is dark. And I have to ask myself, God, why am I here? That's what a storm does to your reality I only did what you told me to do how did I end up in such a mess how can we keep our calm in the midst of a storm what does God want us to do in stormy weather so I'm going to give you six truths are you ready for this I'm going to give you six truths of what to do in stormy weather the first truth is this the will of God doesn't always lead you into smooth sailing the will of God. You can be in the perfect will of God and find yourself in a storm. It doesn't always mean because you do what God asks you to do that everything becomes easy. Let me put it to you like this. God's will in your life is not determined by how pleasant your life is. Some of us like to measure how much God we have operating in our lives by how comfortable everything is. But your pleasantness doesn't determine your level of God's will operating in your life. Sometimes the perfect will of God means that I am perfectly in the center of the worst storm that I've ever had to endure. Mm. This is the side of God that don't make you happy. This is the side of God that don't make you thrilled about Him. You like the, you like the Jesus that says, peace be still. But sometimes he don't say, peace be still. Sometimes he knows what's waiting on you, and he sends you into the middle of it anyway. The second truth I'm going to share with you this morning is that your storm is never so severe that Jesus doesn't see you. Did you notice what the Scripture said about Jesus? It said that they were on the boat. Jesus was on the mountain. They were, they were in trouble, the Bible said, and Jesus saw them. Now, I could quit preaching right here this morning, and you ought to leave here with hope that no matter how bad your trouble is, no matter how dark your storm is, Jesus still has his eyes on you. Let, let, me, let me put it to you like this. Sometimes you'll think it's impossible that anybody knows how bad you've got it. Sometimes you will, you will think that you are all alone in your storm. Sometimes it gets so dark and the waves get so high and the wind beats against your ship so badly that you think that not anybody, not even your spouse, not even your mama, not nobody knows how bad you have it. But friend, let me tell you, ain't nobody saw the trouble that I've seen, but Jesus sees you in your trouble. So you need to realize that he is with you no matter how bad your storm is. God is not a fair-weather friend. Not only does he see you in your storm, but the Bible says he wants to be with you in your storm. 
He doesn't mind if you admit that you're afraid. Because when you get afraid, he gets on the move. So, so understand that when the going gets tough, he gets going on your behalf. It's not, a, it's not an indication of faith or a lack of faith or an issue of faith for you to start asking God, God, why am I in this storm? Your storm is never so dark that Jesus can't see you. The third truth I'm going to share with you this morning is regardless of your circumstances, he's always on time. I wish I had somebody that I thought I might get an amen right there. Regardless of your circumstances, he is always on time. Now, you think he's going to be late. I read a book one time by Stan Toller when I first got saved, first got into the church, and I hadn't even started ministry yet. Uh, the book's title was God's Never Been Late, but he sure scared me to death a few times. Somebody say amen. That, that, that is his M.O. See, see he, 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 I never think he's early. I mean, sometimes I would love for him to just show up and just do it before I had to pray about it, but that's not the way he does things in my life. I don't know how you and him get along, but, but usually I'm always at the last second just wondering how is God going to pull this thing off. And I, I, he's never early, but he's never late. Hey, and, and, and don't raise your hands in here, but, but how many of you have ever said something along these lines? Lord, if you don't get in here and fix this thing right now, there ain't going to be much left to fix. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There are times that uh, the storm gets so bad that I literally tell God, God, if you don't fix this today, there won't be nothing left for you to fix tomorrow. Like You are just going to have to grab up the broken pieces of whatever this ship is left with and put it back together because this thing is surely going to crash at the end of this uh, day. When the sun sets today, Lord, you better show up. And you know what God does? Nothing. My biggest problem with God has always been he don't mind me. I tell him what I want, when I want it, and how to make it happen, and he does nothing. It's almost like he wants me to depend on him instead of depending on me. It's almost like he wants me to trust his plan instead of trusting my plan. I, and as, and as I've went through storm after storm after storm, you know what I've always said? And, and maybe this will help somebody. Maybe I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Every storm I'm in right now is always my worst storm ever. Anybody else feel that way? Like I'm always going to God and crying and belly aching and telling him, God, this, it ain't never been this bad before except the last time. But I always forget about the last storm when I'm in this storm. So no matter what your circumstances is, no matter how far away from the shore you are, did you notice what the scripture said? They were far away from shore when the darkness came. That means safety. That means they were far away from safety, and it means that they were far away from being able to fix it themselves. Jesus saw them and was able to get to them. So no matter how bad your circumstances are, he's never going to be late. Mary, in Bethany, Jesus shows up and she says, where were you at four days ago? Had you been here four days ago, our brother Lazarus would not have died. But now you're late. Jesus says, roll the stone away. And even when he said, roll the stone away, Mary didn't understand what he was talking about because Mary says, well, surely by now he stinketh. 
you don't know what I came here to do. Promise of Victory family, sometimes the, the issue is not that he is late, but it's that you don't know what he came there to do. See, the reason he didn't show up four days ago was because had he shown up four days ago, you would have believed him as a healer. She said, had you been here four days ago, my brother would not have died. Why? Because she already knew Jesus was a healer. But Jesus don't want to reveal himself to you in a way that you already know about him. He wants to show you a brand new thing. He wants to show you an exciting thing. He wants to take this faith thing up to another level. He said, you already believed I was a healer. Had I showed up here four days ago when you hit up my Instagram, I would have been down here doing what you expect me to do. But I didn't come here to do what you expect me to do. I put you in the middle of this storm because I'm about to show off and you ain't seen the likes of such just yet. I'm about to blow your mind. Who wants God in this next season to blow their mind? Just blow my mind, Lord. Even if I have to go through the loss of something, I want to see this next level of faith that God has taken me to. I want God to do something in my life that he's never done before, but I don't get there unless I go into the storm first. They thought he was late. He wasn't late. He was right on time to sh not to do what they wanted, not to do what they expected, but to do what he planned. And what he planned was to show them something they had never seen before. Because he wasn't only going to heal. He was going to build faith. He was going to teach patience. He was going to put a message in their mind that they would never, ever forget. Amen. So you can't paint God to a corner and tell him that he can only work one way. You can't tell God when to do it and how to do it because God will show up and realize and make you realize he doesn't work inside your box. So Jesus is not a fair weather friend and we don't always understand his timing. The disciples didn't even recognize Jesus walking on the water. Did you see that? They thought he was a ghost. You know why? Because he came when they didn't expect him to. Ain't it funny how you can walk with Jesus every day of your life and one storm can make you forget who he is? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I mean, you can walk with Jesus for years. Think you know all about him. Oh, oh, let me just kick it up a notch. You can start testifying to folks about who he is and what he does and how wondrous his marks are. Oh, you'll start telling. When they are in a storm, it is easy for you to preach at them. Come on, church. When, when they are going through hell, you tell them, just keep on walking. Oh, you got all these little idioms and all these little quips and all these little quotes. You be posting stuff on their Facebook. When they are going through a storm, oh, it is easy for you to tell them, just hold on. Oh, get a new grip with your tired hand and stand up on your shaky knees. And Boy, you got all these little quips. and Boy, it is easy to tell somebody else what to do in their storm. But have you ever noticed that you can spend your life serving him Preaching about him, teaching about him, witnessing for him, and one storm can make you not even recognize who he is. The Bible says he came walking on the water, and the disciples thought he was a goat. Now, in Jesus' day, when they saw a ghost, uh, sailors, when sailors saw a ghost, it was a sign that the ship was about to go down. So not only do they think they see a ghost, which is bad enough, but they think that it's an indication that they're all about to die. They are losing their minds. 
Not because Jesus wasn't there. Not because Jesus wasn't there, but because he was there and they didn't recognize him. How to face stormy weather. I'm going to tell you something, church. You have never, not one moment, not today, not yesterday, not in 2020, not when mama died, not when you got diagnosed with cancer, you have never been alone. There's not been one moment at divorce court, down when the kid went to jail, when your kid was on heroin, not one day, not one moment have you ever been alone. He has always been by your side. He has always been in the storm with you. He will walk on the water if he has to, but he will get to you. He has always been with you so the question isn't whether he is present it's do you recognize him in the storm so this tells me a truth about us when the storm gets bad enough we look at the storm more than the Savior which tells me another truth not about us but about the devil if the devil knows that about us no wonder some of us is always in storms. Because if he knows that all it takes to get your eyes off the Savior is to put you in the middle of a storm, hold on to the boat, honey. It's about to get a bumpy ride. Uh-huh. So regardless of your circumstances, Jesus will always get to you, not late, but on time. He came in spite of the fact that they were not expecting him. He will show up in times of your life when you do not expect him to, and you will be shocked at how he saves you. The fourth truth. Don't ever leave your boat unless you expect to get wet. Don't ever leave your boat unless you expect, expect to get when Jesus told Peter, Peter said, out of all the disciples, out of all, big mouth Peter, says, hey, that, that ain't no ghost. I, hey, boys, come here. I, I think that's Jesus. All the other disciples are losing their mind. They are running around the ship. They are throwing stuff overboard. No, they don't have time to focus and see. They are about to put on life vests. They're trying to call on their cell phone for Mayday. They're doing whatever they can to save themselves. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, let me walk on the water. If that's you out there walking on the water, I'll slow down right here because I'm going to teach you something I've never taught before. If that's you out there walking on the water, let me walk on the water too. You have to understand something. When you're in the middle of a storm, all the other disciples were in life preserver mode. Peter said this, I don't care about the boat. I don't care about the storm. I want to be wherever Jesus is. Now, mind you, I've, I've, never, I've never noticed that until I was praying for this sermon this week. I've never noticed that what Peter did was ignore his circumstances. He ignored the problems, and he ignored the people he was on the boat with. Because not one time did any of the other disciples say, yeah, me too. Let me go off to, hey, if that's you, no, no, no. They were trying to save their own hide. They were doing whatever it takes. They were bailing water. 
They were throwing heavy stuff overboard. Whatever it takes to stay afloat, that's what they were doing. And Peter said, I don't care about none of that. If that's you out there, let me get closer to you. And here's what I want to teach you about enduring a storm. If you are enduring a storm, you can't do anything about the storm, but you can always locate Jesus and get closer to Him. You'll find that you can go through any kind of problem that hell throws at you as long as you locate Jesus and try to get closer to Him. So, so it's, it, don't ever get out of the boat unless you plan on getting wet. See, Jesus told Peter to come, and Peter took this big, bold step of faith to get out of the water. And then even though his faith wavered, he began to sink. The Bible says Peter trusted Jesus to help him. Because Peter could not walk on water without Jesus. But when Jesus gave him a word, he didn't walk on water. Peter didn't walk on water. Peter is just like me. I got 14s and even they won't float. As big as they are, I can't walk on top of the water. Peter didn't walk on the water. Peter stood on a word. When Jesus said, come, the word that Peter stood on was enough to sustain him over all the tribulation that he was facing. I would to God that when you come to promise a victory every single Sunday, you may be dragging a storm in here, but I'm going to speak a word into your life that you can't walk on top of your storm, but you can stand on the word. Because when the whole world is on fire, you'll be able to stand on this word. See, 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 see what we didn't realize... Is, is that in this problem that they're facing, Jesus didn't do what he had done before. Because back in Matthew chapter 8, he told the storm to lay down and shut up. Peace, be still. They were, on, they were in another storm. This is not the first time these disciples have been on a boat and in trouble. They were in another storm, and that time, Jesus, who was asleep in the bottom of the boat, came up and said, Peace, be still. Lay down and shut up. Some of you parents feel like Jesus sometimes. Lay down and shut up. <laughs> y'all, y'all, next time somebody says something to you, don't talk to them kids. Like, says, I'm just being like Jesus. Jesus told the storm, lay down and shut up. I just say that to my kids. <laughs> this time he didn't do anything about the storm. Notice, notice, Peter wanted to be where Jesus was. Peter wanted to be, he said, if that's you, let me come to where you are. He wanted to be where Jesus was. Notice what happens. Because he wanted to be where Jesus was, this time Jesus didn't touch the storm. This time he touched Peter. Sometimes we're praying that God will make the storm lay down, but what he's really trying to do is touch you in the middle of the storm. Jesus said, see, last time, Peter, I did something about the storm. This time, I'm going to do something about you. When you want to get closer to Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what the storm is doing. You won't care. You'll walk on the water to get there. I don't ever get mad at people for not coming to church because I promise you this. If they get in a bad enough storm, they will walk on the water. They'll ice skate. They'll parachute. Whatever they got to do, they're going to find where Jesus is. And if it ain't a promise of victory, if Jesus is somewhere else, they'll find him over there because I've been there. I know what it's like. And I've got to, I'll, I'll climb over top of folks. I'll run down 
the aisle. I'll fall into the aisle. Whatever it takes, I need to touch Jesus. And if I touch him, the Bible says it may not stop the pandemic. It may not stop COVID. It may not stop you from getting a divorce. It may stop not stop your child from going to prison. But what it will do is he'll touch you in the middle of the storm and you won't care what's going on around you. See, when you grab a hold of him, you don't care. You'll finally find, realize what the Bible means when it says weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. Your blessing and your deliverance is not in your ability to hold on to him. It's in his ability to hold on to you. See, the storm makes you afraid because you feel like you're going to lose a grip. Can I tell you, you don't have a grip anyway. That's the problem. The wind and the waves makes us feel like we're going to lose control. You're not in control anyway. His blessings in your life has nothing to do with how tightly you grab him. It's how tightly he grabs you. The fifth truth I want to share with you, and I'm almost done. I'll get out of your way. When Jesus calls, don't be afraid to lead the crowd. When Jesus calls, don't be afraid, especially if you're around a bunch of boat dwellers. If you got a bunch of folks around you and you're trying to be a water walker and all they have is enough faith to be in the boat, don't be afraid to break from the crowd. I ain't talking about, I ain't saying they're bad people. I'm not saying that you should shun them. I'm not saying cut them completely out of your life. But when he calls you, don't be afraid to break from that crowd so you can find out what he wants for your life. Because you can't, you can't always grab hold of Jesus and be waiting on other folks. You can't always grab hold of Jesus while you're waiting on other people. So you can't be afraid to break from the crowd. You may not, listen, you may say things by grabbing hold of Jesus that makes you politically incorrect. You may start doing things that don't make no sense to your peer group. Like going to church on Sunday. Like giving tithes and offerings. Like praying for those who spitefully use you. Don't none of that make sense to your peer group if they're not part of the group that you are now in. So you got to be willing to leave that group and grab hold of Jesus because you realize... Listen, I've went through that. I've went through storms with that group before, and you know what? They never were able to help me get back into the boat. They never helped me walk on the water. They never, as a matter of fact, sometimes if I got down low enough, I'd find their foot on my neck. But this man named Jesus, once I located him in the middle of my storm, he ain't never done me nothing but good. So, 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 so when Jesus calls, don't be afraid to break from the crowd because I'm going to get out the boat when he calls me and even if I have to go by myself, I've got to be willing to grab hold of Jesus. If I wait on others, I may drown. But if I go where Jesus goes, if I stand on his word, I have preached so much word to you this morning. I hope that you have grabbed hold of this because there is so much truth in this. If I stand on that word that he gave me, I cannot drown. But I also can't use the word he gave to me to rescue others. If they're willing to go down with the ship, I can witness to them. I can tell them what I know. 
But ultimately, if they're willing to go down with the ship, i got to be willing to get out the boat and find Jesus. And this is my last, my last truth I'm going to share with you this morning. Jesus has plans for your boat. So don't crash it. Jesus has plans for your boat. So don't crash it. Now notice Jesus don't need a boat. Did you notice that? The disciple, he made the disciples get on a boat and he went up the mountain to pray and the disciples ran into a storm and the Bible says when they got in trouble on a boat, Jesus didn't take no boat to find them. He came, and the Bible was very specific, he came walking on the water. Jesus doesn't need your boat, but he'll use your boat to rescue you. Let, let me draw your attention to what Jesus could have done. He could have calmed the storm. He could have said, peace be still. But instead, he told Peter, come where I am. And there's a storm between where I am and where you are. There is a storm between where you are and where you desire to be. And Jesus very easily could have said, peace be still. And Peter would have had an easier way. I hope somebody's getting this. I, I preached all morning to get right here. Peter could have had an easier way because all Jesus had to do was do what he'd done before, which is calm the storm. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, if you want to get to me, you're going to have to step over the bow of that ship. I know you think your safety is in that boat because that's why all you disciples are freaking out and losing your mind because you think your safety is inside that boat. You don't realize that there's a whole lot of hell you got to get through to get to where your real safety is, but I am your safety. I am the truth. I am the way, and I am the life, and there is no other but me. You can't stay in that boat and find safety. That boat will sink. One day that boat will rot. One day that boat will go down but I will still be standing because I am the king of kings I am the lord of lords and you may have to go through hell and high water to get to me but this is where you need to be and Peter stepped off of the boat onto waves that were crashing and into the wind that was tumultuous and Jesus didn't stop it he could have. Why did mama die? You could have stopped it. Oh, and a hush comes over the crowd. Why is COVID around? You could stop this. Why did they leave me and divorce me? You Why is my kid who I raised in church... And, and I spoke all these prophecies over and I did everything you told me to do. You told me. And now I'm battling all this hell. This is not where I want to be. I want to be where you are. Jesus said, well, if you want to be where I am, come. come. But Jesus, there's wind and there's waves and there. Come. Jesus, 
My safety is in this. Come. But, but Jesus, I've never done this before. Come. But, but Jesus, I don't even know how to survive without them. Come. But, but, but Jesus, I just got laid off and we got bills to pay. I don't think you understand the gravity of this situation, Jesus. I have to get out of this boat, and I'm not equipped to walk on water. I don't have fins. I don't have flippers. I don't have any way to breathe underwater. There's waves that are crashing. And, 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 and what's your alternative? Stay on the boat and sing? Jesus said, I didn't look for you. You look for me. I came walking on the water because I'm always close in the storm. And when you saw me, you knew that where I was was where you wanted to be. Now, I ain't playing no games because you ain't got time for me to play games. I'm telling you, if you want to be where I am, come. I ain't going to make stuff lay down. I'm not going to stop COVID. I'm not going to stop the divorce. I'm not going to stop the cancer. I'm not going to raise mama from the dead. I'm not going to make daddy well again. If you want to be where I am, get out the boat and come to me. My God in heaven, somebody give God a hand clap of praise in this church. Woo! So much truth in this that we look around our situation and we want God to do things the easy way. When the easiest thing we can do is find Him. Because notice what happened to Peter. Peter had to step out on the boat and walk on the water. And then he bowed drown because he got his eyes off of Jesus. And he realized that there was wind and waves all around him. And COVID and divorce court and backslidden kids. They just foreclosed on the house. And they're coming to get the car. He noticed all that. For a minute, for a minute, all he saw was Jesus. And when he saw Jesus and stood on the word, he could walk on water. But when he noticed all the hell he was going through, he started going down. Thank God he is merciful. Because even though he had failed at walking on water, Jesus did not leave him. The Bible says he reached down and pulled him up. Because even though we let him down, he will never leave our side. And then the Bible says they ended up back in the boat. I don't know how he got there. I don't know if he teleported him. I don't know if they, if he, I don't know if Jesus, in my mind, because I have a wild imagination. In my mind, Jesus is looking over Peter going, this is how you do it. Come on. See, just one foot in front of the other, Peter. Just pay, just come on. Pay attention, boy. Come on. In my mind, I see Jesus and Peter just walking back to the boat, and they end up back in the boat, which is where Peter thought his safety was. But now Jesus has taught him a valuable lesson. You think your safety's in the boat. I'm going to use it. Don't crash it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to teach you a thing. You think your safety is in the boat. But if I ain't in the boat, 
It's just a boat. But if you get me on board, that's where the real safety is. See, some of us go through life bending over backwards trying to keep people happy that God's trying to get out of our lives. Y'all ain't going to help me right there. But we find safety in that relationship, but we don't realize that that relationship minus Jesus is just a sinking ship. I wish I had somebody that would say amen right there. Some of you have been holding on to a job, a career that God don't even want you in, but you think it's safe. But the problem is you don't realize that that job minus Jesus is just a sinking ship. You have to have him on board. He's going to use your ship, but he's going to learn to, he's going to use it to teach you something. Nothing more extraordinary than walking on water. Talk about life beyond ordinary. I told you I was going to end up in Acts 26. This is another one of the stories that I have preached from a lot. I need no references. I need not go over and read the scriptures. I got the story down. Acts chapter 6 is another shipwreck. Except this time, the ship really did wreck. This time, the ship fell apart. Paul is on his way to see Caesar. And the Bible says a hurricane blew up. They wasn't supposed to go. The man of God told them, said, this is foolish. Don't do it. And they did it anyway. While I'm at it, let me just drop an anchor. How many times did the man of God tell you not to marry that fool? Y'all ain't going to help me right there, are you? You had to have him, right? It was a... Anybody remember the Lee Iacocca commercials back in the day? Toyota? You, you want it, you got it, Toyota? I've married folks like that before. I've stood up there going, y'all know this is a bomb getting ready to go off, but you want it, you got it, Toyota. I mean, man of God may have told you it was a, a, a mistake to tr- switch jobs, but you, you had to have it. Man of God may have told you it was a mistake to buy that house and go in debt, but you had to have it. Hey, the man of God may have told you not to get on board that particular ship. It's a bad idea, but you had to have it. The Bible says that Paul reminded them after the hurricane blew up, y'all should have listened to me. And now we're in the middle of a storm. Pay attention to this storm. This storm, these guys knew what they were doing. They were experienced sailors. They started throwing everything off the ship because sometimes in the middle of a storm, you start losing stuff. Because ain't nothing like a storm to teach you what's really important. Because you will hold on to some stuff on fair weathers, uh, in fair weather that you think you have to have. But a storm will reveal to you what is really important in your life. And when they started fighting the wind and the waves, they started throwing stuff overboard. And Paul comes up. I'm, I'm about done. I promise I've preached too long already. Paul comes up to the captain and says this. Don't worry. Nobody's going to die. The ship is going to be lost. The cargo is going to be lost. But nobody is going to die. They said, how do you know this? And he said, an angel came to me last night. And this, I never realized this until I was studying for this sermon. He told me, I have to stand before Caesar. He told me, I have an appointment. 
And until my appointment is met, this storm can't kill me. I've preached all morning to get to this point right here. He said, you have an appointment, Paul, and you can't drown if you have an appointment from heaven. Hell ain't built a storm powerful enough to take you under if you have an appointment from heaven. So I'm here to decree on the first day of this new year, this first Sunday, that 2020, all the stuff that we lost, all the things that were canceled due to the year of cancellation, 2020 couldn't kill you. You showed up in 2021 because you have an appointment from heaven and nothing can take you down until your appointment has been met. Now notice he said, you will show up. But you're going to lose the ship because you're going to show up. You're going to make it, but it's going to look different. You're going to show up. You're going to make it. I went through divorce, but I made it anyway. I had to get on food stamps because I lost my job, but I, I made it. I made it anyway. I fought cancer in the pandemic but I made it anyway. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills at the end of this month, but I made it anyway. And listen, you made it, but you look different. That ship that you was dependent on, that safety net that you thought was what you needed to sail, God wants to show you, all you need is my word. You're going to make it anyway. 2020 didn't kill us. We're still here because we have an appointment from heaven. And I want every person in this room that feels like you have an appointment from heaven, that God's not finished with you yet, I want you to jump to your feet, and I want you, if you're physically able, to put your hands up in the air. I want you to begin right now but to decree and declare over your own life, God, I thank you for having a purpose for, my, for me. I thank you for having a plan for my life. I'm not finished. I'm not done. I won't give up. I won't, co I won't commit to quit. I'm going to give you my best praise in this year. I'm going to start this year off the way every year ought to start off by me saying I'm getting out of this boat I'm walking to you I want to be close to you I want to be wherever you are I want to be close to your touch I want you to be able to reach down and rescue me I need you Lord right now over this building just begin to tell, tell heaven thank you for having an appointment thank you that you've got an appointment for my life 2020 couldn't kill me, and this year won't either because every storm has an answer, and his name is Jesus. Every storm has a way maker, and his name is Jesus. I'm not through. I'm not finished. I am committed, and right here and right now, I receive from heaven my appointment. Thank you, Shilalabushai. Thank you, Jesus. Now, some of you may not look the same when you get there. You start decreeing over your life that you want to get closer to Jesus. Hear me? You may not look the same. You left that port. You had a ship and a bunch of stuff on it. Now you floating into the beach, hanging on to broken pieces of a boat. Because the stuff that you don't need, he got away from you. 
Some of you got an addiction. He's going to get it away from you. If you're going to get closer to Jesus, you got to get out of that boat. Some of you are living with sexual perversion. You got to get out of that boat. Some of you are living with uh, broken promises. You got to get out of that boat. Some of you are thieves and liars and drunkards, and you got to get out of that boat. If you're going to get closer to Jesus, you got to get out of that boat because you're going to come through, but you're going to look different when you get on the other side. If you can agree to that, give God a hand clap of praise in this church. Hallelujah! You're going to come through, but you're going to look different. He's going to let you lose the boat. He's going to let you lose the cargo. But you're going to come on through. He'll save what's important. Well, in the old church, I'd run around this place. Some of y'all would freak out. I'd given you COVID. But, I'm a, man, I would run around this church right now. If this was 2019, I'd run the walls. My God in heaven. I feel this. I feel this thing. I, I'm sick of church people that are sold out to Jesus feeling like we are less than because we're in the middle of a storm. I want every storm that hell has got designed for me to hear that no storm can kill me because I have an appointment designed from heaven and you can't knock me off course. Darkness can't do it. Wind can't do it. Waves can't do it. Take my ship and I'll still come through the other side because his appointment is greater. Some of y'all's kids are just going to have to learn how to grow up. Some of y'all's grown kids are holding you back. You wonder why you can't get closer to Jesus. You can't hold on to them and go to where he is. They just going to have to learn to grow up. Tell him to get a job. Get baby Huey out the basement. He can buy his own cereal. They sell Apple Jacks to everybody. Some of you are going to have to lose some phone numbers out of your phone if you want to get closer to Jesus. He said, well, I'm not doing anything with them. No, but they are holding you back. They are tethered to who you used to be and where you used to want to go. And as long as you are tied to that, you will never... Make it to him. I have preached too long already. God bless you. Promise of victory. I love you. Let's start a new season getting out of the boat and moving on to Jesus. God bless you.